to our cars, paid lace to you, I'll tell of how the good old union is coming here to dwell. Tell me which side are you on? Which side are you on? Which side are you on, boy? Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us tonight. To introduce myself, I'm Patrick Foley. I'm the coordinator of the Brazil Solidarity Initiative, uh, and I'll be chairing tonight's rally at this crucial time for Brazil, Latin America and the globe. Tonight's event is titled Lula versus Bolsonaro, the election that will define Brazil's future. And it's been hosted by the Brazil Solidarity Initiative and supported by the uh, Labour Friends of Progressive Latin America, Arise, a festival of left ideas and a number of other organisations, including the PT London Nucleus and Frente. Uh, Frente Preta UK. So, as I'm sure many of you know, after the first round of the election, which took place uh, at the beginning of the month, former president and former trade union leader Lula uh, went into the second round of the vote with a six and a half million vote lead against Bolsonaro, with the second round of the vote scheduled to take place this Sunday. There is a huge amount of stake uh, in this election, not least because of how bad Bolsonaro's presidency has been but because a victory for Lula will mean that the lives of tens of millions of Brazilians will get directly better. It is as clear and as simple as that. And I don't need to remind you about Bolsonaro's racist rhetoric, his destructive agenda for the environment, and the hate and division he has sown during, uh, he and his far-right allies have, have sown during his term in office. And, and what we must be extremely vigilant for is the growing threat to democracy that he poses. If Bolsonaro loses this election on Sunday, we can expect him to ignore the results, make false claims about fraud and call his supporters to the streets. Considering the number of military generals in his cabinet and his open support for past dictatorships, uh, for one example, citing that Pinochet hasn't killed enough and Brazil's military dictatorship didn't torture enough. We need to take these threats seriously and we need to be prepared for, for any action and we need to be prepared for the very worst, even if it is unlikely. And we're here together collectively to show support for Lula and to show solidarity with the mass movement behind him. And we're here really to show them that we are with them uh, at such a crucial time and for them to feel like they have support on the other side of the world who are not only with them on the streets, but we're with them in solidarity in their struggle and everything that they're fighting for. Um, and that includes the defense of Brazilian democracy itself. And we've got a great lineup tonight. Uh, and we're going to hear some solidarity speeches, uh, some reports from the ground and, and um, just general first-hand campaigning and how the election's been going. Uh, and I'd like to, to start by introducing um, Young Labour's International of Officer, Mohamed Sahel. And uh, Mo, is, Mo has been continuing the great work that Young Labour have done in taking an active role in international issues and bringing them to the forefront of the Labour Party. Um, Young Labour have shown absolutely fantastic support for Lula, including carrying out pivotal campaign work while he was imprisoned when many people in the UK would not. Um, so thank you so much for, for joining us, Mo, and uh, over to you. Thank you. Uh, a very kind introduction um, and just a big thank you to the Brazil Solidarity Initiative as well uh, and all the other organisations who are helping out with this event. Um, as Patrick said, there's a great lineup coming up, so uh, I promise I'm not the uh, 
the epitome of it all. Um, yes, yeah, so as Patrick said, my name is Mohammed. Um, I'm Young Labour's International Officer, and my role generally entails working with socialist and young socialist organisations, especially across the world, uh, forging bonds and standing in solidarity with them, and also the cause generally, the socialist cause generally across the world, to uh, to strengthen our joint aims. Um, and specifically to Brazil, in 2018, while he was under political and legal attack, Young Labour voted to make Lula da Silva our honorary president. And we did this knowing <clears throat> it was only a small gesture and it was a sign of our commitment to the cause internationally, but we did it knowing that however small it was, it was an addition to the global calls for justice and an end to the lawfare and violence against the workers' movement in Brazil and Lula as its uh, figurehead. And we never expected anything to come from it and we were content knowing that we would continue to do our part and we had done our part and you know, we'll carry on to do our part in supporting the Brazilian workers' movement and the workers' movement more widely but little did we know that just a year after that we would have the incredible privilege of receiving a letter from Lula smuggled out and delivered to us at our annual conference and I just want to read out a small section of that letter now and Lula said one day justice will be done and I will leave prison all the more willing to fight for our dream the one shared by young people of all ages the creation of a better world Brazil is nearly 6,000 miles away from the UK, but in so many ways, the battles being fought over there reflect and mirror the ones that we're fight are being fought by socialists all over the world, and especially here in the United Kingdom. And that letter we received was so powerful, not only for the person and the place that it came from, but because in just a, sh a few short lines, it captured the fundamental truths that are facing so many of us. And the problems facing the Brazilian people are particularly acute right now. There's a genuine worry that the democratic process, which has been so severely under attack over the last number of years, will not be respected. There's been violence, assaults and worse against supporters of PT in Brazil. I've read today that allies of Bolsonaro are shooting and throwing grenades in the streets uh, as part of the growing ramp up in violence by his side. I've read of corruption, open corruption by Bolsonaro's campaign, polling stations being located in difficult to reach places, people having to work all day, and getting very little time to actually cast their votes. And it's quite clear to all of us um, that Bolsonaro and his party will stop at nothing if it means clinging on to power, if it means that they're able to continue to implement the policies that have seen a huge increase in the poverty, the hunger, and all the other things that the PT government uh, and Lula as president were helping to fix and repair in Brazil. And the troubles in Brazil reflect like old places, the troubles felt globally. We're living in a major global economic crisis and the wealthy across the world are doing everything possible to ensure that it's working class people, the poor and the less well off who are taking the brunt of that all. The oil companies and the polluters who deforest in Brazil at the behest of Bolsonaro murder people in the indigenous communities <clears throat> and then have the nerve to charge people extortionate amounts to heat their homes. Brazil has had to suffer through some horrible times in the last few years and decades previously. Military dictatorship, which has been openly supported by Bolsonaro, the use of the legal system to attack the workers' movement, to attack socialists, and a media that is in hock to the ruling elite, attacking socialists wherever it can. But I have to say, on behalf of myself and Young Labour, it's a testament to your party, to your movement, and to your people that you continue the struggle. <clears throat> it's a testament to PT, to Lula, and all the great Brazilian activists on this call, that you've not allowed their attacks, their violence and their horrors, that they've inflicted upon you to dim the flame of your cause. You fight on knowing not only how difficult it is and how, how high the stakes are, 
but because you know the incredible changes that you can and have made in power. Increased literacy, support for the poorest families in Brazil, increased minimum wage, just to name a small, small amount of the things that have been achieved by PT in the past. Solidarity with Brazil is a duty for socialists that is a practical necessity, but the basis of it is underpinned by our fundamental belief, our belief in a better world, a belief of justice, of equality, and the power of the working class people and the working class movement. Young Labour and our thousands of members are dedicated to fighting for that better world and we will stand with you no matter what, shoulder to shoulder. We will call out the injustice in Brazil where we see it and celebrate, our victory, celebrate your victories as if they're our own because we know that without that international solidarity that is being achieved through events like this and that have been going on for the last few months with our comrades in Brazil and across the world, our movement is limited in what it can achieve if we don't have that international solidarity. Myself, comrades in Britain are, are honoured to share this platform with you this evening. Uh, we offer our wholehearted support to PT, to Lula, to the activists on this call and to your aims over the next few years. And we hope and pray and work, we'll work alongside you to make sure that that is realised on Sunday. Um, we will stand you, with you in any way that we can. We will continue to work with you as our comrades, as our friends, fighting for a better Brazil and a better world. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mo, um, and, and thanks for being, bringing that sort of message of solidarity uh, from Young Labour. Um, and, you know, just even hearing about that amazing move to make Lula the honorary president, uh, really just that just exemplifies um, how Young Labour operates and how and how they've just been very bold in, in supporting progressive policies and progressive movements around the world around the world and you know we really welcome that and a, a real pleasure to have a, a future of the labor movement joining us um i'm now going to uh, move on to a contribution from brazil-based journalist brian mia um who is today reporting from the election in sao, sao paulo for telesaur english and brazil wire um he was due to speak with us but actually his 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 reporting schedule has clashed with the meeting and so he's just recorded us a video this was sent to me a couple of hours before it started um and he's he sent quite a long report i've unfortunately had to, had to shorten it down a bit but i'm going to be posting it on the brazil solidarity socials uh, this evening so please do check uh, take a look there because he's he's got some really really detailed reports but we're going to we're going to watch a um a, a section of it now greetings to the audience the participants and to the brazil solidarity initiative from the city of sao paulo unfortunately i'm unable to participate live today because i'm reporting on location for telesur and i have a couple reports i have to do during the time of the stream um, nevertheless, I'd like to give you a brief state of the play of the situation about the Brazilian elections, which are now coming up in only three days. Today is Lula's 77th birthday, and this is happening in the midst of one of the biggest political comebacks in modern history. Even if he fails to win the election this Sunday, it's still going to go down in history because he's the first challenger to ever beat an incumbent in a first round presidential election in Brazil since the return to democracy in 1985. Now the polls right now show that he's about between six, five to eight points in the lead. However, the polls underestimated Bolsonaro's performance in the first round. They may be overcompensating for it now and giving him more um, points than he may end up getting because there have been a few scandals that have rocked his presidency 
since the beginning of the second round electoral season, which started on October 3rd, after he polled within 6 million votes of Lula in the first round. Now, 6 million votes is actually a lot of votes. Some of the press was recording it as if it was this huge upset. In actuality, the last time that a U.S. Uh, presidential election came down to this amount of votes, proportionately speaking, knowing that the U.S. is about uh, one third larger than, than Brazil, was the 2008 presidential election when Obama beat McCain. So it wasn't that thin of a margin. However, Bolsonaro outperformed a lot of expectations. Now, there's a couple reasons for that, but one of them is just comes down to plain money. Um, as the incumbent, Bolsonaro has control of the federal budget. And a study by Reuters Brazil that was released last week shows that he's essentially illegally rerouted around 54 billion US dollars, the equivalent, you know, 273, uh, 273 billion reais, to directly to benefit his campaign. He did this in several different ways. One of the things he did was he put a massive tax cut on petroleum and petroleum derivatives. Gas prices were reaching record heights. Um, this mainly because after the 2016 coup against Brazil's first woman president, Dilma Rousseff, on a non-existent charge of a budgetary infraction that was legalized two days after she left office, the new government liberalized fuel prices in a nation that at the time was self-sufficient in, in fuel. Now, Brazil's importing about 20% of its gasoline from the US because since the 2016 coup, they've started closing refineries. At the time of the coup, Brazil was entirely self-sufficient. Nevertheless, as one of the major petroleum producing nations in the world, there's no reason for um, Brazil to link its fuel prices to the international markets, which is exactly what Michel Temer did. It's what Jair Bolsonaro refused to undo after taking office, and it's resulted in nearly daily price fluctuations and the highest fuel prices in recent memory. So what he did, instead of disconnecting the, the fuel prices from international market prices, he simply rerouted money from cancer research, cancer treatment, and cancer prevention from the public health system into, to compensate for a massive lowering of the fuel taxes. This helped the gain support with the middle class who are now, in, um, who are now voting more for Bolsonaro than they, they are for Lula. The only social class in which Lula is leading and by a very wide margin are in families that make less than two times the minimum wage. All other social classes favor Bolsonaro, or at least favored him in the first round election. Now, the thing that's in Lula's favor on this is that 77% of the population makes less than two minimum salaries. So it's, it's almost irrelevant with all of these middle class, lower middle class, middle middle class and bourgeois are supporting Bolsonaro, electorally speaking. It looks like these scandals involving the Bolsonaro administration and Bolsonaro himself since October 3rd have prevented him from narrowing the gap with Lula. Lula's campaign seems to be picking up some momentum. It looks like he's going to win on Sunday. And um, it looks like Bolsonaro is going to begrudgingly 
accept the results, but at the same time, try to motivate all of his far right supporters, which represent, according to a study that was done by university professor Esther Solano um, earlier this year, it's only about half of the Bolsonaro supporters that are the real fanatics, you know. He's going to try and motivate them to do some kinds of terrorist activities. There might be some commotion on January 1st, which is the day that the new president takes office, similar to the January 6th um, event in, in Washington, D.C., which... Uh, Jair's son Eduardo participated in the War Council meeting for that on the night of the 5th with Lindell and, and uh, Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani and all those other people. Um, there's probably going to be something like that, but it probably won't be enough to prevent Lula from taking office if he wins. There's a massive increase in political violence underway right now. Unfortunately, there's probably going to be more deaths. Um, but it doesn't look like it's going to be enough to turn the tides and keep Bolsonaro in power. That's my prediction, at least. So in terms of international solidarity, what do we need um, here in Brazil? And I'm, I'm saying this as a Brazilian. You might not know from my accent, but I immigrated to Brazil in 1991. So um, I consider myself a, a Brazilian first, a, a U.S. Brazilian immigrant. Um, what we could really use in terms of international solidarity is quick recognition of the results of the election because bolsonaro is gonna we know bolsonaro is gonna cry fraud you know um i know that there's a bill that's going to go to the floor of the house and senate in the united states or some kind of resolution i don't know if it's a bill um uh saying that the U.S. is going to immediately res uh, respect the results of the election. You know, the U.S., which has been involved, which was in, ironically involved in Lula's political imprisonment, which was part of the U.S. DOJ SEC Curitiba Public Prosecutor's Office Operation Car Wash, you know, which started during the Obama administration. It's ironic, <laughs> but um, the Democrats do not want Bolsonaro. It looks like they the, I think U.S. big business wants Bolsonaro to stay in power. All of the petroleum companies, the mining companies, and agribusiness giants like Cargill, which are making billions of dollars off of the exploitation of the Amazon, want Bolsonaro to stay in power. But for a large percentage of the Democratic Party, they don't want Donald Trump's big ally in power for another four years. They think it could blow back to the U.S. So it looks like... Um, uh, well, it looks like they're announcing this um, resolution tomorrow, and hopefully it'll be approved. But it would be great if, like, UK could do something similar, Ireland, you know, European Union, all of these other countries could immediately uh, recognize the results. We know that um, after the illegitimate impeachment of Dilma Rousseff in 2016, most countries in South America did not recognize that impeachment. But it was the quick action by the U.S. government three days after the impeachment, uh, officially recognizing the results of the impeachment <laughs> through the envoy, Joe Biden, who told Michelle Temer that he had the full support of the Obama administration when he met with him in Europe. That was one. Of, that was an important factor 
in keeping Michelle Temer in power. So we're hoping that something similar can happen now when Lula wins the election, if and when he wins the election. Um, because when push comes to shove, Jair Bolsonaro is the biggest bootlicker of the United States government in the history of the Brazilian presidency, really since in modern times, since the return to democracy in 1985. But even like if you compare it to the military dictatorship, even the dictatorship as sycophantic as they were to the United States, didn't kiss up to it as much as Bolsonaro. So it would be really big if the US and its allies and other countries like China, uh, that's the most important trade partner of Brazil by a long shot right now, could recognize these results and um, warn the Bolsonaro and his, his allies, his cabal of neo-fascist allies, not to try and make a rupture with democracy. And so with that, um, I want to thank you once again for inviting me to talk. I wish I could have participated live, but I've got to go out and hit the streets right now for Telesur. You can watch my coverage on Telesur English and on my Twitter, which is Brian M. Telesur. Okay, thanks again. Brilliant. Um, really great to have that that report from from Brian. And, and, and like I said, that's the um, that's the shortened version. You might have noticed a, a slightly dodgy edit, edit halfway through there. That's that's my editing skills there. Um, but we will be posting the full video there, which includes some of the stories we've heard recently, which is a, a Bolsonaro, Bolsonaro ally um, firing shots at a policeman um, and some of the, the cash for votes scandals that are, that are being reported at, at the moment. Um, and I'd also like to just take a minute to just, you know, highlight the work that Brian uh, and Brazil Wire have been doing. And there's really great news resources if you are following Brazil closely. Um, when Lula was jailed, Brazil Wire was one of the only outlets reporting on the political motivations behind the case. Uh, and they were vindicated while other outlets um, were ignoring Lula's innocence. They, they were out proving it. And, and looking back, they have been proven right while others have now gone silent. Um, so I'm going to now move on to our next speaker. Uh, and our next speaker is uh, the secretary of the Socialist Campaign Group of MPs and also the chair of the Brazil Solidarity Initiative. Um, and it's, it's been absolutely vital to have Richard's voice in Parliament to speak up for Brazil, for Lula, and for the millions fighting back against the far, far right. Um, and he doesn't shy away from challenging our own government for cozying up to Bolsonaro. Uh, so it's been, it's been um, absolutely vital having him here. Uh, so Richard, over to you, and thanks for joining us. Thank, uh, thanks so much, uh, Patrick. And I'm delighted that Arise uh, are supporting this meeting uh, from the Brazil Solidarity Initiative. It was great to uh, get back from Parliament um, an hour or two ago, back to my home in Leeds, and listen to Mohammed from Young Labour kick off the meeting. So that was a really inspiring speech. And it's wonderful uh, to be reminded of all the solidarity that Young Labour showed uh, the Workers' Party and showed uh, Lula uh, in Brazil, including when he was in prison. I think it's fantastic that uh, he was given the honorary presidency of uh, Young Labour. Also great to hear from uh, Brian from Telesaur and, of course, Brazil Wire have done such a fantastic uh, job being ahead of the game in terms of uh, exposing the lawfare visited upon uh, Lula uh, by the elites uh, in uh, Brazil. Patrick referred earlier to my uh, early day motion that early day motion has been uh, signed by 31 <coughs> members of parliament so far from different parties. And so if people want to encourage their MP to add their signature, that would be very important because, uh, as Brian just said, 
uh, it's very important that the uh, international community and the international community politically, the parliamentarians around the world and governments around the world, uh, are quick uh, to recognise the democratic legitimacy uh, of the results uh, and don't uh, fail to challenge any attempt by a defeated uh, Bolsonaro uh, to pretend there was uh, fraud uh, when there uh, wasn't. Now, we're meeting, obviously, just a few days before uh, the uh, second round of the presidential election. And I want to put the whole process and the whole situation into context, really, the global context, but also the context of Latin uh, America. Now, I'd say that a systemic crisis needs systemic solutions. You know, we all know, whether we're looking at the UK or Brazil or anywhere else, that the world over, billionaires and the super rich have been enjoying a boom time, while the living standards of the vast majority have been driven backwards. And the current cost of living crisis is just the latest in a wave of deep crises since the turn of the century including obviously the banking crisis, austerity, deepening climate crisis, and the mounting global inequality crisis. It's a mistake, I think, if we were to see these as separate, isolated crises. The neoliberal system itself uh, is the crisis. So I'd say that we on the left need solutions that overcome the neoliberal system. We need to be prepared to replace it with something that puts people and planet before profits. You know, we can't support uh, a model uh, of running things uh, where profit uh, is put first before all else. We see the devastating effects on people uh, in our country and around the world, and we see the devastating effects uh, on uh, the uh, the planet and our environment as well. So, when in looking, when we're looking for solutions, the most important region in the world to study as a left, if we want to understand neoliberalism and how to resist it and how to defeat it and the damage it does is undoubtedly Latin America because of course it was the birthplace of neoliberalism. It was back in Chile in 1973 where it was first introduced at the barrel of a gun when the US Chicago Boys School of Economists imposed their economic experiment, because that's what it was on Chile via dictatorship. And then, of course, Thatcher and Reagan exported neoliberalism around the world. It was an unremitting disaster for the people of Latin America. Inequality deepened, poverty soared, key public services were sold off. And the economist Mark Weisbrot explains that from 1980 to 2000, Latin America suffered its worst long-term economic growth failure for at least a century. That was on neoliberalism's watch, that was because of neoliberalism. And as a result of this social catastrophe in Latin America and the determined struggles of millions of people, Latin America emerged as the first area in the world to directly challenge these policies of neoliberalism. With the pink tide of left governments elected at the start of the century, Latin America has fought to not only be the birthplace of these neoliberal economic theories, but also the political graveyard of these uh, political economic theories as well. At a time when many people were declaring the end of history, the final triumph of the free market, leaders such as Evo Morales in Bolivia, Rafael Correa in Ecuador, and many others emerged 
with their alternatives. Now, of course, the experiences were different in each country, but overall, overall, the achievements of the left in government in Latin America are significant. Many tens of millions of people were lifted out of poverty. Others benefited from increased public investment in education, in healthcare, increases in the minimum wage, massive house building programs, by having a public pension for the very first time. Now, of course, much more remains to be done. I mean, even now, Latin America remains the most unequal continent on earth. But overall, progressive governments delivered important progress by intervening on behalf of the majority and not just leaving everything as neoliberalism would prefer market forces. Now, Brazil was at the center, of course, of that first left rebirth with the election of President Lula in 2002. As we know on this call, a trade unionist, a socialist, a fighter for democracy in Brazil against the dictatorship, a real hero. Now the continent of Latin America is having a second wave of the pink tide. And again, Lula is central to that too. In recent years, there's been the rise of left governments in Mexico, in Argentina, in Honduras, and they were joined a few months ago by the victory of Gustavo Petro in Colombia and late last year by the victory of Gabriel Boric in Chile. Now, one of our own heroes, Tony Benn, spoke of two flames in the human heart, the flame of anger against injustice and the flame of hope that you can build a better world. For me, this new wave of progressive governments in Latin America gives us hope. Now, if you can achieve left victories in Chile, if you can achieve a left victory in Colombia, then believe me, you can achieve these victories anywhere in the world. Colombia, a country I visited and saw how it was the most dangerous place in the world to be a trade unionist, where death squads would regularly target environmental activists, black activists, journalists, a country where the left had never won before, and a country where the left was barely an electoral presence not long ago. Or Chile, as I said, the birthplace of neoliberalism, where institutions were founded in one of the most brutal dictatorships and which had one of the most privatised economies. So if the left can achieve victories there in Chile and Colombia with their records and their history, then we should take great hope that we can achieve them anywhere in the world. All these gains in Latin America strike a blow against the rule of the oligarchies in their own countries. And they also strike a blow against the many decades of domination of Latin America, especially by the United States. Domination that has sown poverty, inequality, military conflict, and widespread suffering. But of all these advances, Brazil holds the key to cementing the gains of the Latin American left, not just because it's the biggest population, not just because it's the biggest economy, though that is important. It's because under Lula, there is a political project that wants to see the integration of the whole continent so that Latin America can play its role in the world as a block pursuing its own independence, its own development and its own solutions, freer of outside interference. Brazil, as the engine of the second wave, can help overcome the divide and rule that has left each Latin American country weaker and left each Latin American country easier to exploit. So if Lula wins on Sunday, this will have a tremendous impact in Brazil, obviously, but in wider Latin America and in the wider world. 
two. And as things stand, as we've heard, President Lula will win again. The latest polls show him ahead, and he won by six million votes in the first round. But, and there's always a but, I'm afraid. Latin America's pink tide of progressive governments over the last 20 years or so has taken many forms, each one reflective of the specific circumstances in which their country found itself. But all of them have this one thing in common, I'm afraid. The huge resistance they met from their own elites and elites internationally, especially uh, the uh, elite uh, in Washington. And at times, the role of our own government has often been incredibly worrying. You know, just as the Cuban Revolution faced a murderous blockade, costing many tens of billions of dollars, just as Salvador Allende faced a military coup in Chile, every step forward in Latin America this century too has been met with a strong opposition. It's worth reminding ourselves, I think, of the pressures that left governments have faced. We need to understand that left projects all over the world face huge offensives and attempts at regime change, attempts at destabilization whenever they seek to win power. That's one of the reasons that we on the left need to be internationalist and to offer solidarity to those struggling for justice all over the world. There were 80 coups, 80 coups in South America and the Caribbean in the 20th century, and 63 of those coups were military-led. And this has continued into the 21st century. There was a military coup attempted against um, Hugo Chavez in 2002 that was captured in the wonderful documentary, The Revolution Will Not Be Televised. There was the successful military coup in Honduras, unfortunately, in 2009, and the coup against Evo Morales in 2019 that ousted him. Nowadays, however, military interventions do appear to be less common than they were in the past. The strategy of the elites, both in Washington and in South America, has been to use the judicial witch hunts, lawfare, to oust candidates. So-called judicial and parliamentary coups ousted the presidents in Paraguay in 2012, and then, as we've heard, Brazil's first female president, Dilma Rousseff, in 2016. And Ecuador, where President Correa, whose movement reduced inequality more than any other country in Latin America, was forced into exile on trumped-up charges, along with his foreign minister, his vice president is in jail, Many of the key leaders have been targeted and the party that they led was literally taken off them by the electoral authorities. But of course, the most famous case, the most famous case of this lawfare is what happened when Lula da Silva was favourite to win the 2018 presidential election. Then he was arrested, jailed on trumped-up charges, orchestrated by powerful elites in Brazil and Washington. That injustice opened the door to the election of the far-right president, Bolsonaro, a strong supporter of Brazil's past military dictatorship under which he had served as a military officer. And the forces that have organised all of this reaction, they've not gone away. So let's be clear, it's essential that progressives learn from progressive developments in Latin America and seek to draw lessons that can be applied in our own, admittedly, very different circumstances. It's important that we draw hope 
from the region. But it's also vital that we offer our solidarity against the fight back from the old elites reluctant to cede a single inch to social progress. So our message at this meeting and more widely is very clear. Only the people of Brazil should get to choose the next president of Brazil. So we must oppose any outside interference, but we must also oppose any attempts to prevent the wishes of the Brazilian people being expressed either through violence, through vote rigging or through other means. So let's be prepared over the coming days to hopefully celebrate, but also let's be prepared over the coming days to get active and offer solidarity. Solidarity has never been as important as it is now. Internationalism has never been as important as it is now. And the role that the labor and trade union movements in our country can play in fortifying the wall of internationalism and the wall of solidarity is absolutely vital. And I want to thank you all for joining us tonight because through joining tonight's call and through writing to MPs to get them to sign the early day motion already backed by 31 MPs, you're doing your bit to show solidarity in the best traditions of the internationalism of our labour and trade union movement. Thank you very much. Thank you, Richard. Um, some really crucial wider regional context there as, as well as some really clear calls. Um, and I'll just echo Richard's final call there and just there should be a link going around in the chat. Please do use our, our the Brazil Solidarity Lobby tool. Um, it takes 30 seconds and you can speak to your MP, even if they've signed it a lot, as, as you've heard, a lot of them have. It's good uh, to just let them know that you're with them, that we're standing together and we support Lula together and we, we'll stand together if Bolsonaro attempts anything against Brazilian democracy. Um, I'm going to move swiftly on to our next speaker, which uh, here is Elder Cardoso, who's an organiser for Frente Preta UK. Uh, which is an anti-racist group here based in the based in the UK and she's also a PT anti-racist um, campaigner. Elder's been involved in a lot of the brilliant activities um, we've seen in support of Lula in the UK and that includes the uplifting demo that they held outside the first round of the vote uh, at the beginning of the month um, and it was incredible to be a part of that and to see the vibrant vocal musical and energetic celebrations going on outside the polling station uh, including a, a, a fantastic samba band. Um, so thank you, Elder, for, for everything you do. Um, and over to you. Thank you. Uh, good evening, everyone. And uh, first, I'd like to thank you, Brazil Solidarity Initiative, uh, for organizing this event, for giving us the platform, give the Brazilian people and the Brazilian party and also the activism groups here in UK a voice. Uh, the international solidarity is extremely important for us. Uh, so I want to thank all of you guys for that. Thank you, Patrick, as well, for organizing that uh, tonight. I will start, actually, and I would like to start uh, congratulating our next president, because I'm sure he will be our next president, uh, Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva. Today, it's Lula's birthday. He's is 77 years old today. So I want to wish him a happy birthday and a long life. Um, being here uh, and talking about why we, the black Brazilian population support campaign and also are going to vote for Lula on the 30 October. Um, I'll start saying in a country where 
More than 33 million people are hungry and not know where the next meal are going to come from. In the largest part of this 33 million population are the black people of Brazil. In a country where every single 22 minutes, one black young male are killed by the police brutality. And this young male is between the age of 14 and 29 years old. So there is a black genocide organized strategically in Brazil. In this same country, we have a largest, a huge number of young black children not having access to education. Our children and the age between five to nine years old are not able to go to school in order to learn to read and to write because they're in the streets helping provide for their family. They're affected by extremely poverty are happening in Brazil at the moment. Saying that all of those things is affect us as a black population in Brazil. Bear in mind, we are the majority of the population in Brazil, we black and indigenous people. So for us, there is only one option. And this option is mm -hmm. to elect Lula on the 30th of October. Why we need to elect Lula? One of the reasons why we need to elect Lula, it is when Lula was president, Lula took Brazil out of the map of the world hunger. Lula took out of the streets and also the same numbers we are having now being hungry in Brazil, that was the number of people Lula made sure he had food on the table when he was president on the two mandates he had it. So as a black population, in order to see our people flourish, in order to see we're going forward, we need to vote for someone is there in order to protect us, is there in order to provide for this population, is there in order to make sure public policies will happen and these people will have opportunity. We need to have opportunity. We need to have investment in the education because we know only education is going to make the black population come out of poverty. It's the only way the black youths will come out of the streets, you'll come out of the violence, you'll be able to have a future. And we know Lula is going to make sure you'll have investments in the education. And this education will be for all the Brazilians, not for only the white privilege, what's been happening now at the moment. But the people living in the outcast of Brazil, living in the communities on the favelas, you'll be once again be able to go to school with security, you'll be able again to have education with a high quality. That's why we are supporting Lula as well, because we know he did in the past and we know he's the only person able to do that now. Brazil has a huge number of feminicides, being that more are happening among the black women and the trans people. We need a government to tackle that. Not a government is a homophobic, not a government is against women, is a sexist man where he says, we women should be home 
cooking, looking after the children. There is no place for women in a politic. There is no place for women in the streets. And the only daughter he have, he says that should happen because he was weak on that day. That's why he's have a daughter. So when we have a president like that, we need to make sure we have someone who will be there and they will combat all those atrocities on place in Brazil at the moment. We also, as a black population, we need to make sure the police system in Brazil changes. And we believe Lula can deliver that. We have the most violent police in the world. And this police targeted the black population. So we need to make sure things are changing in Brazil and the system of the police changes as well in order to give us protection, to give our children's future, to give our teenagers future, to make sure as black women, it have a right to carry on work, it has a right to carry on studying, it has our means to get where we need to be, what is our rights have been the majority of the population in our country. So therefore, Lula is the only option as Brazilian, black and indigenous people have for us. That's why we are campaigning. That's why we are, we are talking. That's why we are asking people to vote for Lula. And that's why we are asking the international solidarity and also to be with us on the 30 uh, outside the college in Hammersmith to give us support like on the first round. It's extremely important to have you guys there for it doesn't matter the time you are able to be there, one hour, two hours, three hours, but your presence there is extremely important, especially because we know on the 30 is the final day. We hope it's not going to happen, but the supporters of Bolsonaro here are quite violent, are very vocal, very abusive, and we know they're going to target us. So therefore, we need to have as well you guys as allies there to protect us and to be there, and to be there with us is extremely important. We know and we are hope and we believe Lula will be elected on the 30th of October. And about that time, you will be here waiting for see the first votes coming out of Brazil and knowing he will be our next president and we are going to be able to see change in our country. We are going to be able things going forward like you have been seeing our neighborhood countries, like we saw Colombia elected the first black woman as a, as a vice president. That was extreme for us. And then we hope we will see that in Brazil as well one day. But for the moment, we are glad to see and to be able to see Lula become our president. Um, so we are supporting Lula. We are campaigning for Lula. We are doing all that. And the reason is also as long there is racism, there will be no democracy. Lula President, solidarity and peace. Thank you very much. Thank you, Elder, for that. That's a, a really powerful contribution and touching on a, a lot of just really crucial notes, obviously the racism, but also Lula's amazing record, reducing hunger and um, increasing education, all the things you mentioned, just um, just truly what we need right now not even not just in brazil but in, in the globe um i just want to say as well you mentioned the protest it was you know i the scene could not have been more different between lula supporters and the music and the vibrance 
and Bolsonaro supporters dressed in head to toe military fatigues, um, playing fascist marching bands and singing "We're fascist and we're proud." So you know, this, 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 it could not be starker. And, and I'll be there on Sunday, and I'm also uh, I'm ready to, with my loop, uh, to be out on the streets with you on Sunday. Lovely. Look so forward to, to joining you then. Um, before we move on to our last speaker, I just want to take five minutes. Um, just uh, just to tell you about some of the work of the Brazil Solidarity in Initiative. Um, obviously, you've already heard about the lobby tool that, that we've worked with Richard. Um, well, Richard put the EDM in and we've set up the lobby tool um, to try and get MPs to speak up for Brazilian democracy. Um, but really, what I'd like to ask you is for your support for the, for the BSI. Um, we really need your support at this time. Every everything we do, all the campaigns, all the events, all the articles, uh, the, the, the social media coverage, um, that is all supported by purely by donations and affiliations. Um, and without your support, we won't be able to continue our work uh, once Lula wins. And, and, and by no means is, is the job done when Lula wins. We know that Bolsonarismo isn't going anywhere. Um, we, we know that there's going to be like threats against democracy, continued threats against democracy, a potential Capitol Hill style riot scenario. So all these things that we want to campaign against and make sure is at the forefront of people's minds here in the UK and internationally, we can't do it without donations from our supporters. So the, the link will be in the chat. Please donate £10 or whatever you can. And it just helps us to keep our campaign going at this absolutely crucial time. Um, I'd also like to invite you all to a post-elections rally that we're hosting on November 7th. Uh, that's taking place online from 7pm and it's going to feature a report back from Jeremy Corbyn who's actually in Brazil right now um, observing the election with with others including Noam Chomsky, uh, not at the meeting, Noam Chomsky is, is observing um, and we're going to have a, a other guest from Brazil. So please do see, again see the link in the chat there, find out more information, register, add that to your diaries because it'd be really great to have you there and if all goes well on Sunday and I'm sure it will, it'll be a, it'll be a amazing celebration of Lula's victory and, and everything that Lula will bring to Brazil and to the world. Um, so I'm now going to move on to our final speaker, um, who is Julia Felmanis, who's the coordinator of the PT London, uh, PT London, PT Nucleus Londres. And many of you will know Julia because she's been hard at work mobilizing, mobilizing activists to come out and campaign for Lula. And she's done absolutely fantastic work uh, building links between the PT and the labor and trade union movement here. Um, it's been a pleasure to work with Julia side by side on key issues uh, like the, going all the way back to the coup against Dilma in 2016, fighting for Lula's freedom and, and showing people here in the UK what, what uh, that Lula's case was a political persecution and not a case of corruption, and also just challenging Bolsonaro's regime on, on everything that they've been doing. Um, so thank you for everything you've been doing, Julia, and over to you. Hi, everyone. Um... I know that you've um, heard a lot about Brazil already. I, I want to start by thanking Brazil Solidarity Initiative for all the work they've been doing all the way back to 2014-15 with the coup. Um, would like to thank uh, Young Labour uh, for their support and for making Lula their honorary president and being aware of uh, what's been going on in Brazil, especially when Lula was looked especially in this country, as simply a corrupt president who was put in pr prison and they decided to take that important step. So thank you for that. And also for Richard, who's been fighting all these years as chair of the Brazilian Solidarity Initiative, but also as an MP, paying attention to Brazil, 
doing a number of daily motions, talking about Brazil. And um, so that's all been very important for us. Solidarity matters a lot. Um, as you've heard already, um, Lula is, is a favorite. It is a tight election. But I'd like to talk a little bit about why this is so. This is not an election about who wants somebody to win. Of course, there are many, many, many Lula supporters and there are many, many Bolsonaro supporters. But the fact is, we can't move any further because the rejection rate of both candidates are very high. So even during the first round, we had we haven't really moved much. We're still we're still we're still more or less the same. We had the the third um, person in the first round got something like four and a half five percent less than five percent, and then the fourth got about three percent or so. So it's it's a very small amount of votes we're fighting for there. And then we have the abstentions. It's also very difficult to move the abstentions. And why is it that the, the rejection rates are so high? With Bolsonaro, it's very clear. He's almost destroyed Brazil in very many ways. And there are many, many people who uh, don't like Bolsonaro, but have been sold the lie that Bolsonaro and Lula are exactly the same thing. This is what the media has been saying for a long time with a corruption smear campaign that goes back all the way to 2006 with the first cash for vote scandals. So there's still many, many people, and those are many, mainly people in the middle classes who read the Brazilian media, who believe that Lula and Bolsonaro are the same. And they hate Lula so much that they'd rather see Bolsonaro in power. So it's not that all those Bolsonaro supporters, almost 50 million of them, are uh, what they are, fascist, horrible people. They're just living within a world where they've been taught to think something very different. And I suggest we'd think about the fact that it is, in fact, the middle classes, the people who apparently had education, who are the people who most support Lula. So we have to think about the links that we make about poverty and not being able to vote or middle class and knowing a little bit more about things. So this, this is, a, as I said, there's a neither, neither election. We've also already talked about um, the fact that Bolsonaro has been playing all sorts of tricks to try and win these elections. So whilst during the pandemic, there was a period, first of all, he never wanted to give um, benefits to the people. It was then decided by parliament and not by him that the, the country needed support for the poorest population if they were to stay at home with COVID. And Bolsonaro grudgingly gave that. But in the middle of the worst crisis of the coronavirus, when there were thousands and thousands of people dying, the Minister of Finance decided to cut this benefit. So the Brazilian population stayed for about three or four months without, without any support at all. And a number of people lost their houses because they couldn't work and they couldn't pay their, their rent. And yet, now, just before the elections, Bolsonaro is 
flooding the population with money. He's like we've heard, we heard all about the 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 st stabilization of oil prices. Um, but Bolsonaro has also decided to increase, like he's never increased before, the Bolsa Familia, which he changed names, and has been promising um loans to people on um on Bolsa Familia, on, on benefits, who will then become even more indebted. So he's done that. We heard about the fact that many of his allies are threatening people to vote uh, for Bolsonaro because if they vote Lula, they're going to lose their, their work. It's also important, as Richard mentioned, to think about the importance of voting for Lula um, because of the international scene that we're leave, living in. He, uh, Richard talked very clearly about the need to consolidate the gains of the left in Latin America and how important Lula would be for that. Um, but it's also important to talk about another role that Lula, I think, would have, uh, which is his role as a peacemaker. Um, the world at the moment needs people who think about peace, people who decide to deal with problems through dialogue and not through war. Um, so that, that would be a role that Lula would have. We don't have very many leaders at the moment who would do this. And most importantly of all is the question of the environment, because for, with the world cannot afford four more years of um, Bolsonaro in power. It's almost every week we hear a report from the UN or from some other organization about how we can no longer sustain the levels of uh, living that we are living because of the impact on the environment. Just imagine if we have four more years of Bolsonaro allowing um, the cutting down of the forests, the massive deforestation that he's been promoting in the last four years, the incursions into indigenous land and, and the destruction through mining. So these are all the reasons why we, we need um, to be supporting Lula. The other final thing I'd like to say, moving on to something very different, is about the resistance, because um, you need to know that there was a lot of resistance. Um, all throughout this time that um, we had uh, the coup, that our party, the Workers' Party, was called the corrupt party and when we couldn't walk around the streets wearing the color red because the color red represented criminals and corrupt people there was always a base of at least 12 percent of the population who were fighting against all this and for years and years in a very difficult media climate were there fighting for a, for a different reason, for a different voice, to give a different view of the things that were going on. So that resistance was very, uh, very strong in Brazil, both in-country and outside with um, organizations like ours 
here abroad and other um, social activists, left-wing activists in Brazil, trying to show people what was going on, asking for solidarity, building bridges. And without the solidarity of people like the left, like Brazil Solidarity Initiative, like the unions, uh, not just in the UK, by the way, uh, we got a lot of solidarity from almost every single country in the world of the, from the left, really. Without the solidarity, um, it would have been very, very hard. And finally, um, it's Lula, Lula will win. I think he will win. It would be a real disaster if he doesn't. Um, but even if he does win, um, as we have seen across the world, and we can take an, uh, an example from the USA and the UK, in fact, we can see that there's been a consolidation of the extreme right. And they're not going to go down quietly. And so um, even with Lula in power, he has a very big, high mountain to climb. And we will need the solidarity of people abroad and the understanding of what a difficult task this will be. Because I'm sure there will be plenty of people who are going, oh, yes, we need to put Lou in Ling power now, blah, blah, blah. And the moment he, he falls, makes a mistake, or things don't go exactly right, um, they're going to come crashing on with, with criticism. I'm not saying that we shouldn't criticize. Of course, it's important criticism. But just be aware that we will need a lot of support uh, to ensure that our ideas, um, our own um, autonomy and sovereignty uh, isn't interfered with again as it was um, in 2013-14. Thank you very much um, for everybody who's here listening and and for all the support that we've been getting thank you julia thanks for that and um some some really key points there you know the, the, the work isn't over whatever happens on sunday if lula wins the work is not over there's a, there's a there's a hell of a lot we've been getting onto and, and and not least reversing the damage of four years of bolsonaro um so i just like i don't also two things that that julia didn't mention but we we should be uh we'd be sad to miss is uh, on Saturday, the PT Londres are hold, holding a demo in Parliament Square and they'll be marching to the embassy. Um, so do join them there. There's links to be circulated in the chat. And on Sunday, as we have mentioned, we're all going to be out at the polling station. If you're in London, come and join us. Come and say hello for an hour, for a few hours. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. I can't stress how much of a, a vibrant and exciting and musical day it was last time. And I'm, I'm expecting the same again. So come and see us there. Um, so I'd just like to finish by saying thanks for everyone. Thanks for all of you who, who've joined the meeting and for everyone who's tuned in on, on the streams. Um, really great to have such a, a, a growing and budding online presence in all this and really gets the word out even further that there are people here in the UK who are standing strong in solidarity with Lula, with Brazil. Um, just a final call if you can donate please do please please do we really need the funds it, hosting things like zoom meetings all our digital digital infrastructure costs it's all paid for by you um if you can't afford to donate that's okay there are others there who are donating for you and that's and that's how it works we're all in, in this together 
Um, join us on November 7th for a post-election celebration, hopefully, post-elections analysis and a report back from the Jeremy Corbyn's trip observing the elections. And I will end the call on this. Keep showing solidarity with Lula. Keep showing your support with those taking on Bolsonaro and the far right and let the millions of Brazilians standing up for equality, the environment, democracy and so much more. Let them know that you are with them. Thank you and good night, everyone.